Today we'll be reading from two passages. First, from Matthew 28:18-20, then from Acts 10:34-43. I'll be reading from Matthew 28:18-20 first. So let us turn to that passage. Matthew 28:18-20 And Jesus came and said to them All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold I am with you always to the end of the age. Our next passage is from Acts, Acts chapter 10, 34 onwards to 43. Acts 10, verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does, not, does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he, sent, that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is the Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day. And made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us, who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of God. Well, good morning again. Well, good morning uh, it's great again. to see everyone here. See well, everyone not here. see physically, well, see. but to know that you are there, out there, are there. Uh, wherever you are in the world, uh, watching in and joining us uh, for SLE Church on this Easter Sunday morning. Uh, isn't it wonderful to be able to celebrate uh, something that is worthy of celebration uh, in these dark times, uh, something of real hope, of real comfort and joy? Now, wherever you are in the world, and I know that there are people watching from all over Brisbane, uh, from Sydney and around Australia, uh, and also from around the world, especially in Singapore. I know there are a few families uh, who are watching on uh, who, who have never been uh, in our church before, and I, and, and I welcome you uh, to our live stream and to our church. Uh, my name is Ben. I'm the senior pastor of the church uh, here at SLE Church. 
Um, and I realize I haven't really introduced myself much in the last few weeks. We've been pretty caught up with the technicalities and trying to get things sorted. Uh, but if you haven't met me yet, uh, I, I'm Ben. I'm from Singapore originally. Uh, I came to Australia 20 years ago. Um, but I was a legitimate Singaporean. I did my national service. Uh, and um, I, I, spent, I did my time. Uh, but now I, I live here in Australia um, full-time. Uh, I'm married to one wife, uh, my wife Faith, who was in that kid's video before. Uh, as well as having uh, four daughters, uh, although one of my daughters uh, has gone to be with the Lord Jesus, and we look forward to seeing her uh, in the final resurrection. Uh, so that, that's a bit about me. Uh, you can find out a bit more about myself and about Steve and about uh, the others in our church on our church website if you're keen to get to know our church and, and who's part of it, um, uh, who's part of our church. Now today, it um, gives me great uh, pleasure to be able to, to, to give this uh, Easter message, uh, a message of great comfort uh, and clarity. So uh, without further ado, let's um, sit under God's word together uh, to be able to hear God speak to us uh, on this Easter Sunday. Please join me as I pray for us that we would hear God speak to us through his word by his spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the power and for the joy that is Easter Sunday. We thank you that on Good Friday we were able to reflect and, and think about the death of Jesus and what that means for us. That there is something much more serious than the novel, the novel coronavirus, and that is the sickness of sin. That everyone, one out of one person, is sick with sin. And the consequence of sin is drastic. It is death and judgment. But we thank you that Jesus died on the cross on that Good Friday, that first Good Friday, in order that sin might be dealt with, that we might have the hope of life. Today, as we think about the resurrection of Jesus, we pray that you'll help us to see the power of the resurrection, that you'll help us to see what it means for us now and forever, and that in seeing these things, we might have comfort and clarity, that we might have faith and we might have joy in these times. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm sure you've heard by now, uh, but the word corona is uh, Latin, uh, which actually came from the Greek, meaning crown, right? So coronavirus is called coronavirus because if you look at it under a microscope, the virus looks like a crown of thorns. Now, figuratively speaking, this virus crown has also been ruling our lives. In fact, it's been dominating not just our lives, but the, the lives of the people around this entire world these past few months. The, the novel coronavirus, this, this new virus king, has changed the world as we know it. If you were to read the news, you'll hear the experts talk about uh, this virus and how things will never be the same again, at least not in our lifetime, not in our generation, and perhaps for generations to come. It's probably the first time in our lives where we've experienced in such a real way the arrival of a new ruling power that has, that, has, that has turned our lives upside down, that has impacted us in ways that we've never expected anyone or anything to impact us before. It doesn't feel good, does it? It's deeply uncomfortable. It's, it's, it's so messed up, it's so confusing, so unsettling. A new ruler has come into town and has messed our lives up. But it's not truly king. This new ruler, this novel coronavirus, is not truly king. And, and the rule of this virus will not last. 
Now, I really thank God that this is Easter Sunday. I think it's God's grace that, that one, two months into this crisis, the, the world is given the opportunity to be told once again, to be reminded once again, that God's true King, Jesus Christ, has come. That He sits on the throne. This new novel coronavirus will not last, but Jesus will. His rule extends forever. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead about 2,000 years ago, God has made it clear that there is one true and almighty king. This king that is both in control now and forever. He's the Lord and master of our present lives, and he's the judge who will determine our eternity that is to come. In these, coronavirus, in these novel coronavirus times, we can find comfort and clarity in this glorious truth. We can keep trusting in Jesus and living for Him. Now, one of the first things that Jesus said to all of His disciples after His resurrection is one of the most comforting statements that we will ever hear in our lives. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Jesus speaks to His disciples, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How much authority? All authority, without exception. Where is Jesus? Uh, uh, where is Jesus at this authority? Where is he king over? Well, in heaven and on earth, everywhere, without exception. Through the resurrection, Jesus has been raised to be the true king who has all power and who is in total control. However, we may feel like we have good reasons to doubt that Jesus really is in control, don't we? Just consider Australia over the last 12 months. We have been through an unprecedented time of drought, with very, very low rainfall. And at the end of last year, as many of you know, we had one of the most severe bushfires, perhaps uh, uh, not just in Australia, but one of the most severe bushfires in all the world, in all of history. And then, of course, in the past couple of months, the COVID-19 pandemic has struck us. And that's just in the world, but, but even just in our own lives right at the moment, things, things seem just out of control, given how worrying the future seems to be. How is Jesus in control? If Jesus really has all authority and all power in all the world, then, then what is he doing with his authority, with his power? What is Jesus doing if he's in control? Well, let me just say two things about this. Now, firstly, before even, before even the resurrection, we know that God is in charge and in control, even over this broken world with all of its disasters and with all of its troubles. God has in no way been silent or mysterious about this. He has given us such clarity in His Word about what He's doing in this broken world. We were taught in scriptures that God was in control when he created this very good world, when God chose to give man the, the ability to choose to love and honor him or not. God was in control. God was in control, and he remained in control when humanity cho chose to turn their back on God. God was in control when he judged sin, when he judged sin, and when he brought curses on mankind and on this creation, resulting in the broken world that, that we live in. God was in control. He was judging the world. 
And God is in control right now as He shows grace in this broken world. He works in and through the brokenness of this world to still bring about His good purposes to achieve His plans. God is not out of control. Even in this brokenness, God shows His grace in bringing about good through evil and through suffering. And the biggest example, the biggest demonstration of how God is in control in evil was seen on Good Friday. In the death, the suffering, the greatest evil ever perpetrated on the Son of God, Jesus Christ, God fulfilled His purposes to bring salvation to the world. Disaster and disease, pain and suffering does not indicate that God is out of control. In fact, the Bible is clear that it is fully under God's watch and God is achieving His good purposes through it. Now, would you like to find out more about this? Now, this is a, it's a big topic. Where is God in evil and suffering? And I want to have some uh, book recommendations for you. Maybe you've got the time. And here are three books coming up on the screen that you can take a screenshot of or take a photo of. Uh, going from left to right is hardest to easiest. And the book on the right, the easiest book, uh, J.C. Rowell's Sickness, it's actually free at the moment from Matthias Media. You can purchase it for free, okay? Just add it to your cart. It's $0.00. And it is really small, and it's really easy to read, and I think it's really helpful. It does focus on sickness, but you can extrapolate that to think about the, the, the suffering and the troubles of this world. So that's some reading for you to follow up on from today's sermon. Now, the second big thing I want to say about this is that the resurrection is God's powerful answer to the problem of human sin and the brokenness that has resulted in this world. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the resurrected King, is God's answer to the brokenness of this world. All authority has been given to the risen King Jesus to deal with sin, to defeat death, and to give life. To deal with sin, to defeat death, and to give life. You see, God isn't just in control over the bad things of the world, the evil. He's also in control over the good. And the greatest good that God wants to give us is life in His Son. The greatest good He wants to give us is to reverse the effects of the fall, of the curses, to deal with sin, to, 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 to cast it away, and to make all things new and all things right. And how God achieves this is through the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That at the cross, Jesus pays the penalty for sins, which means that we can be forgiven, washed clean. Through the resurrection, Jesus has defeated death. The great resurrection chapter of the Bible, right? 1 Corinthians 15, go and read it. Beautiful chapter on the resurrection. In, in verse 54 to verse 57, Paul says this, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the resurrected king has defeated sin and death. And so he has the authority to give life to those who trust him. He has defeated sin and death, so he has been given the authority to give life to those who trust in him. He has the authority to reverse all sin-caused brokenness, all sin-caused disaster and disease, all pain and suffering, and He will do this one day, where He will take it all away when He returns. Now, this is the, the first and great comfort 
of the resurrected King who has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. The authority over all that is bad as well as to give all that is good. Now this brings us to the second point of comfort that we can draw from the resurrected King. And that is this, right? The resurrected King gives us true life. True life. Now what, what is true life? Well, it's not just physical life. It's not, not just life in this world, in the here and now. That is too narrow. That is too short-sighted to think that true life is about the here and now. But we often think this way, don't we? In this narrow and short-sighted way. The here and now, the things that we can touch, the things that we can see, the things that we can experience, who we are and what we do in this life, in this moment, that's what we think life is. Now, many of us who see life this way, in this narrow and short-sighted way, are finding life pretty unbearable at the moment. If life is just the here and now, if it's just the physical things that we can see and touch, the material things that we can have, the experiences that we can experience now in this world, it's no wonder that we are finding life unbearable now. It seems like life in this place is so messed up. It even feels perhaps intolerable and unlivable. Now, a few weeks back, and the last time that the YF leaders uh, were able to meet together, we sat around this hall. We were all spaced out. We were still allowed to meet, a uh, meter and a half apart. And, and a few of the students had just been told that they had to go home back into Singapore. Uh, the, the Ministry of Health, I saw them on the scholarship, were told to go home. And as we were sharing, we were talking about how we felt about this. And a number of students said something very sad and very striking. They said, COVID-19 has robbed me, has robbed me of my life. They were robbed of their life here in Brisbane, of their, their community, their, their church, um, their lifestyle, of being able to, to continue on with their studies in uni and enjoy their friendships in uni and the church. They felt robbed. I'm sure it's not just the, the students <coughs> who feel robbed. I think we all feel robbed in some way, don't we? Some of us feel robbed of our jobs, of our relationships, of connection with people. We feel robbed of life's entitlements and rights that we have, the, the simple pleasures like being able to go shopping when we feel like it, to be able to, to, to go to the playground. Have you been to the play playground recently? There's all this tape surrounding it saying you can't enter. We're robbed of pretty much going anywhere and doing anything at the moment. Many of us feel robbed of stability and security now and in the future. If this life is really all that there is, then truly COVID-19, the novel coronavirus, has, has robbed us of life. But you see, the good news is that true life isn't these things. It isn't just these things. The resurrected king came to give us true life. Now, what is this true life? Now, in John chapter 11, Jesus' dear friend, Lazarus, had just passed away, had just died. And his sister, Lazarus' sister, Martha, came running to Jesus and they had this conversation. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, 
I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Though he dies, yet shall he live. Strange, isn't it? Though, he, though Lazarus, though people may lose their life, their physical life, yet they will still truly have life that is truly life. Does that make sense? Though he loses his physical life, yet he shall have life that is truly life. This is what Jesus is saying. That there is a life that is more than just physical life. But it still doesn't answer the question, does it? What is this true life? Well, if you were to read on in John's Gospel, Jesus will say this about true life. And this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And then in 1 John, in the letter that John wrote to a church, it says this, right? And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I wonder whether you can see it in these passages. True life is to know the only true God and his Son, Jesus Christ. True life is to know the Father and the Son. True life is to receive life through God's Son. Now, what does this mean, right? Well, it means that true life is to be forgiven by God. It is to be reconciled back to God. You know how in sin we turned away from God and we were cursed with sin, but a true life is when we're brought back into God's family, adopted as His children through the Son of God, saved by the resurrected King. Now, in real, in real terms, what does this life in the sun look like? What does it look like to have this true life? What does it look like to experience it? Well, I think it is to have the, the presence, the knowledge of God's presence as our Father day by day in our daily life. It means becoming more and more like our Father in character. It's about caring about what God cares about. It's, it's to enjoy the, the life that God gives us to do His work in this world to be able to enjoy the love and fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ and to be able to go out into the world to share this wondrous news that we can be reconciled to God, that we can know the Father and the Son, that we can have life in the Son, that we can explain and, 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 and plead for people to come to receive true life. And we can enjoy the life that God gives us in this world knowing that it's a gift from God to be enjoyed and to be used in a way that glorifies God. True life is basically security and safety in Jesus. It is basically having significance and meaning and purpose in Jesus. This is true life. COVID-19 will and has taken away a lot of things in our life. You don't have a choice in the matter COVID-19 will rob you of things in this life. But COVID-19 cannot take away true life. 
COVID-19 cannot take away true life if you don't let it. it. It can't rob you of the true life of knowing God and His Son. It cannot rob you of experiencing the true life of living in His Son. If you keep trusting in Jesus, you will never lose true life. This is the comfort of knowing the resurrected King who has given us true life. Now, these comforting truths, these comforting truths should give us, should give us clarity in these uncertain and worrying times. These comforting truths should then give us clarity in these uncertain and worrying times. Now, novel coronavirus seems to rule our lives at the moment. That's for sure. It's making us do a lot of things differently, or it's preventing us from doing a lot of things altogether. But the resurrected King Jesus is still the one in control, still the one who has authority over our lives as our true King. This new upstart virus King is no real King. Jesus is our true King. He's the one with authority over our lives. And this is the clarity that we need to live and thrive even in these uncertain times. Romans chapter 6 says this, We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3, If then you have been raised with Christ, Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. You hear that? We have been raised with Christ through His resurrection. We are alive to God and we are told, we are called to seek therefore the things that are above, that are of heaven not the things that are on earth. Now, in the famous Sermon on the Mount, as many of you may know, in Matthew 5 to 7, Jesus told his disciples not to be like the world, like the Gentiles who don't know God, who are caught up and, and who are worried and who are seeking after the things of this world, what they eat and what they drink and, and what clothes they will wear. Now, one of the things that COVID-19 has highlighted for us, I think, it's how much of this world that we really are seeking after, how much of the things of the world that we love. Because now that we can't eat and we can't drink and we can't buy, we feel uneasy and unhappy, don't we? Of course, the things that we crave, we find alternative means uh, to get it. Now, who of you here is looking forward to MasterChef starting tomorrow night? Everyone knows that, right? MasterChef starts tomorrow night. We will, we will crave whining and dining, right, vicariously through the screen. Who's going a bit crazy at the moment? Who's going a little bit crazy at the moment with online shopping, right? Yeah, I see a few hands in this room. Maybe you can put your hands up in the living room, right? Many of us are, are, are still wanting to, 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 to buy a, a, that new shirt, that new dress, that new pair of shoes. Even though we've got nowhere to go, we're still craving the things that will feed our earthly desires. And of course, aren't we all consumed with getting more and more things, more and more toilet paper, sanitizer, and of course, recently, instant noodles is the latest rage, isn't it? The resurrected king, he's our master, and so we have to seek the things of the resurrected life, the things of heaven. That's the clarity for life that we need right now. 
What should we be doing with our lives? Well, Colossians 3 will go on to say this, verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. You know, if you're wondering, can we just blank that? Yeah. If you're wondering, you know, I'm, not, I'm not sure what to do with myself now that life is so messed up, has changed so much, now that I've got so much time here. If you're wondering what to do with yourself, then do this. Put sin to death. Put sin to death. That's what you should be doing right now. That's clarity, isn't it? Work hard at putting sin to death. Colossians 3, verse 12. It continues on. Put on then, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. If you're asking the question, what should I be doing in my life now that everything is so up in the air? Well, put on holiness. Seek after and grow in your godly character. Now, I, I, I suck at being patient with my family. I, 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 I struggle with being selfish and proud in my home especially. And at these times, when I'm at home so much, and they're at home so much, it's the perfect opportunity for me to work on my patience, to work on my humility, on my gentleness, on my self-control. What about for you? Do you have a, a broken relationship? Have you been bearing a grudge for the last few months, even years? Have you been unwilling to forgive someone in your life? Well, now's the time to pick up that phone, to, to make an appointment on Skype or Zoom, to, to have a chat, to reconcile, do something. How do you pursue above all these things? Love. How do you put on love? Now's the time to be using with clarity of mind to think, how am I going to show love to the people in my household, to people in other households that I don't get to see right now, to people out there in the world who are suffering in much greater ways than we are? Put the time and the effort with that clarity to think about how we can put on love, to pursue love at a time like this. In these times of change and isolation and uncertainty, we have clarity about what we are to do. The resurrected king gives us clarity that we are to live for him by putting sin to death and by seeking the things that are of heaven. That is the clarity that we have right now and forever in this life. Now, the second point of clarity and the final point of the sermon today is the resurrected king will return to judge. The resurrected king will return to judge. The apostle Peter says this in the book of Acts, chapter 10. But God raised Jesus on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he, Jesus, is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To Jesus, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins through his name. 
And then the Apostle Paul in Acts 17 says this, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent because He has fixed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He has appointed. And of this He has given assurance to all by raising Him from the dead. Do you see that? The resurrection of Jesus is God's revelation and declaration that Jesus is the judge on the final day of judgment. The resurrection is the revelation and the declaration that Jesus is the one who is the judge who will sit on the judgment throne. And God puts forward the resurrection as evidence, as proof, as guarantee that this is true. The resurrection of Jesus Christ in history shows that judgment day is coming and that Jesus is that judge. Now, in apologetics, which is in, in, in defending the Christian faith with, with facts, the resurrection, I think, is the most important apologetic question to answer. Because this is an event that is claimed to have, been, to have happened in history about 2,000 years ago, in around AD 30, that is a man called Jesus from a place called Nazareth, who lived in this world, who died on a Roman cross, and then was claimed to have risen from the dead after three days, just as he predicted. Did it happen, or did it not? That is the most important question I think we need to answer in life. If you're a seeker, there is evidence, there is things to investigate as to whether Jesus rose from the dead or he did not. But if Jesus did rise from the dead, then judgment is coming and Jesus is the judge. But it also happens that Jesus is the Savior. He is the resurrected judge, but he's also the resurrected Savior. In fact, the one and only Savior, whom we are told that in his name, in his name alone, if we call out to him, we will be saved. The only one able to give us forgiveness from sin. The, the only one who allows us to be able to stand before God in judgment. Standing on our own, we are guilty. One out of one of us are sinners who have turned away from God in some way, shape or form. And let's be honest, in many ways, shapes and forms, we have turned away from God in sin. We all deserve God's judgment. But through Jesus, through his death and resurrection, God gives us mercy. He washes away. He deals with our sin. He pardons us. Forgiveness and righteousness will be given to those who trust in Jesus. Doesn't this give you clarity in life? Doesn't this give us clarity in purpose? It doesn't matter whether we are living in a pre-COVID world, in a, in a present COVID world, or in a post-COVID world to come. This is clarity. We live in the world of coming judgment. So do you trust Jesus? Do you trust Jesus? And do, do others around you, in your family and among your friends, do they trust Jesus? Jesus' resurrection means coming judgment. Shouldn't this give us clarity as to what we are to do? You see, the sting of coronavirus is sharp but temporary. The sting of unforgiven sin in light of judgment and eternity is forever. It's not temporary, it's forever. 
Now, many things at the moment seem to be in vain, isn't it? Seem to be pointless. Studies seem to have gone down the drain. Our work progress, maybe our careers, is stalled or maybe even lost. And in all the clothes that we have, well, what's the point of having them, right? We just basically go from our night pajamas to our day pajamas for most of us, aren't we? You know all those travel plans that we were looking forward to, and I've got tickets booked, right, to go to Singapore in May. They're they're gone now, and what will travel be like when this is all over? Who knows? But we know that the, the the vanity of vanities is cruise ships, isn't it? Their industry is pretty much gone, isn't it? But other things in this world are not in vain. There are many things which are in vain, but there are many things which are not. And that is trusting in Jesus. And that is living for Jesus, and that is proclaiming and preaching Jesus, in doing the work of the gospel. This is not in vain. Remember that great chapter of resurrection in the Bible, one Corinthians fifteen. This is how it ends. Therefore, my beloved brothers, in light of the resurrection of Jesus, be steadfast. Immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The resurrected King gives us clarity. Judgment is coming, so make sure you're ready. It's coming, so make sure you're ready. Standing by yourself, having to pay for your own sins without Jesus as Savior, you will be judged guilty. But if you trust Jesus, As your crucified Savior and your resurrected King, your sins will be forgiven. If you don't, if you don't yet know Jesus, if you don't yet trust Him as your Savior, then now is the time. It's clear, isn't it? Now is the time to find out, to go and investigate. I'm, I'm sure you're watching this feed because a Christian friend or a family member invited you. Ask them more about what Christianity is about. As a church, we're, we're, we're trying to run uh, uh, sessions for people to, to investigate Christianity, to explain Christianity, to answer your questions. So please get in touch. If there's no one in your life you think can explain the Christian gospel to you clearly, please get in touch. Send me a message. My details are on the website. Send, uh, uh, email us. Uh, uh, get onto our Facebook page. Find a way to get in touch because we'd love to explain what Christianity is. Because if judgment is coming, then clarity is there, isn't it? Get ready. Get ready for judgment. Now, if you are a believer, for us believers, well, well, judgment is coming. So let's get others ready. Let's do the work of the Lord. Let's labor in preaching the gospel. Let's work hard to make sure that people really understand what it means to trust Jesus, that they will grow to to live out that trust in their lives now, especially in these difficult times. Let us be do those who labor in the work of the Lord, for it is not in vain. Now I feel, and I truly believe that Easter couldn't have come at a better time. We're only maybe a few weeks, a couple of months into this crisis, that we still have a little bit of energy, a little bit of hope left, but maybe it's starting to wane. But in God's grace, Easter has come to remind us about the resurrected King. It means that we can have comfort, we can experience comfort, and that we can have clarity in this time. The resurrected King means we can raise a sharp clarity about what we ought to be doing in this time. This virus King it threatens to dominate our lives. Perhaps it's already overcome many of us in many ways, 
But remember, the novel coronavirus is not truly king, and it will not last. But the resurrected Jesus Christ, he is truly king, and he rules now, and he will rule forever. Be comforted in that, and have the clarity to keep living for Jesus now, to say no, to put away those sins, to seek the things that are of heaven, and to labor in the work of the Lord. Let me pray. Oh, gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your amazing grace, for your great timing, that we get to remember and rejoice in Easter Sunday today. A few weeks, a couple of months into this coronavirus situation, we really do feel like our lives have been turned upside down. A new ruler seems to have come into town and is dominating us, and it's making us do things that we, 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 we didn't choose to do. It's making us not do things that we would love to be doing. We thank you that... This time is a reminder that this life in the here and now, the physical, the material, the experiential things of this life now is not really true life. Help us to see that Jesus really is still in control and he has always been. And his authority that he has is to give us true life. Life where we can know you and we can know the Son. Life where we can experience what true life is to be able to walk knowing you as our Father, Jesus as our brother, to enjoy the love and fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ, to be able to have clarity of purpose as we do your work in the world, as we share this news of comfort and joy to the world around us who are lost. Father, we bring before you our worries, and we have many. We bring before you our uncertainties. We bring before you our insecurities and our instabilities, we bring before you our doubts and our suffering. And we pray that your word will cut through all that to give us comfort and clarity. Help us to press on as your people to keep living for Jesus, to spend the time that we have in this unsettling times with the clarity to put away sin, to keep pursuing godliness, and to keep pursuing lost souls, to be able to give them comfort and joy through the gospel. Help us to keep doing also the work of encouraging brothers and sisters in this time to help them to remain steadfast and immovable in their faith. Please keep us all strong, we pray, in Jesus' name.